Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this election special podcast. I'm joined by our political editor, George Eaton, and editor of The Staggers, Stephen Bush, to talk about what's actually been quite an exciting week. Um, Stephen, I'm going to start with the Scottish leaders debate. So last night we saw Willie Rennie, the Lib Dem leader. I'm impressed that I remember that. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the SNP leader, Jim Murphy, Labour's leader in Scotland, and Ruth Davidson, the Tory leader, having, well, they had a sort of weird format where they kind of had a moment in the spotlight, as they called it, and people fired questions at them. And then they had a kind of bit more of a rough and tumble head to head. I'm going to come out clean and say I really loved it. They all seemed very passionate. Every I heard Ruth Davidson make a case against free prescription charges, hardly the most popular thing to advocate in the world, in a way that was very simple and clear. She said, you know, Nicola Sturgeon, one of the best paid women in, in politics, should, she should definitely have to pay for her aspirin. And people kind of went, aspirin, yeah, charge for aspirin. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was it was a much better quality debate than the seven way. I think partly because it was less congested, there were you know there were fewer participants. Also, they of course will have prepared for the debates just as much as the the seven yeah the seven leaders did before. Natalie Bennett is obviously a terrible television performer. Ed Miliband is both a spin doctor's dream in that he takes instructions very well, but also a spin doctor's nightmare because he looks like he's taking instructions very well. Um, David Cameron, as he unless he wrote in a brilliant piece for us, does look like someone who is writing his memoirs, uh, and he look he looks checked out. Whereas. Um, yeah, obviously Nicola Sturgeon and Jim Murphy have been drilled by their spin doctors just as much, but they they look natural. And Ruth Davidson, for someone who is you know leading a party which effectively is now shut out by first past the post in Scotland, um, yeah, is is a proper sort of political street fighter. Who yeah, actually a lot of those should were the kind of lines that Cameron was coming out with in two thousand and nine, twenty ten. Mm. Is probably actually where the Conservatives would want to be if they were going to win a majority or remain the largest party. But it was, as you say, this kind of you know brilliant, fairly principled defence of you know actually yeah, perhaps people who are rich should pay a bit more for things. And the line on um, the deficit in borrowing 
from an economic perspective, I think is nonsense, but it's a really good one-liner and I don't understand why the Tories haven't used before. So this is the idea that it's not, if it's irresponsible to, um, what's it about spending cuts? I know that it involves 30 versus 120, go on, tell yeah. me what it is. Yes. If it's savage to cut uh, spending by 30 billion, how is it progressive to saddle um, our children with £180 billion worth of debt? Which you might not agree with, but it is at least an, a, a representation of the Tories' main argument in a quite a compelling form. The other thing I thought was really interesting was what you saw there was a was Nicola Sturgeon treated as the incumbent. So we know, you know, the SNP have been in, as a minority administration since two thousand eleven, as a majority since twenty eleven, and for a start, you were getting kind of things about, well, hang on, a minute, this is your record, this is what you've done, why haven't you tackled this? Which you singularly didn't get in the in the seven way. Um, it makes it makes life a lot harder for her, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, one of the things are, you know, to, the slightly strange thing about the seven-way debate is obviously she's not a direct threat to David Cameron, so I can see why he didn't attack her. But the way neither Nick Clegg or Ed Miliband seem to have planned any sort of response to Nicola Sturgeon, so she could kind of stand there going, oh, I'm against austerity. Well, if the SNP is against austerity, I mean, they have the ability to vary tax by 3p in the pound, which, you know, is, is quite, if you... You know, if you put three threepence on the 40p rate, mm. that's quite a lot of austerity you haven't had to do. They haven't done that. So they obviously aren't that opposed to austerity. And, you know, seeing the late, the sort of, the, you know, Jim Murphy and Ruth Davidson and actually Willie Rennie come at her on her record, she suddenly looked a bit more uncomfortable. She was still very impressive, but she was some distance away from the kind of all-conquering figure of... And George, that foreshadows Ed Miliband's problem um, in the upcoming challenges debate, doesn't it? Because he is in a very odd position. He is neither the incumbent nor exactly a challenger. So how do you think he's going to deal with that? Well, I think he will deal with it by... He's going to be attacked from the left by most of them and attacked from the right by Nigel Farage. I think he'll deal with it by saying, if you don't like David Cameron, if you don't like the Tories, I'm the only person who can, who can replace him. Um, and I think he will also present himself as someone who's radical, um, but credible. And so he will, he will say, yes, I want to end conservative austerity. I don't want to go as far as they are in, in cutting spending, but I also want to balance the books. And so he will almost be appealing to centrist swing voters who perhaps are disenchanted with the coalition, um, but also recognise that the Greens, UKIP, Plaid Cymru, the SNP aren't going to form governments and uh, actually they wouldn't want them to either. And the other big story as well is the uh, announcement that Ed Miliband plans to scrap non-DOM status. So I think the latest we've heard in this is that there is a sort of, there's a small window during which you can legitimately say I'm only living here temporarily but at once you become a, essentially a permanent resident of Britain you're going to have to be taxed at British rates for any money you bring into the country. It's um, it's It seems to have caught the Tories on the back foot George I think a bit. It has. I mean they, I asked when the announcement came out, whether the Tories would seek to kill it or steal it. Um, and the answer is they don't really appear to know what to do this morning. I mean, George Osborne's response, he first suggested that it would lead to a flight of talent and cost Britain money, and therefore it was anti-business, anti-enterprise, but then said, oh, is it just tinkering and we've already introduced an, an annual charge? Well, it can't be both. It can't be a sort of act of dangerous mm. socialism and just, tinkering uh, the and edges, just yeah. incrementalism. Uh, although they have been helped by the fact that they've now discovered a clip of Ed Balls saying in January that abolishing non-DOM status would cost Britain money. Uh, I presume Labour are going to say in response that he was referring to the complete abolition of non-DOM status. So there's not this 
uh, five-year window mm. where you can still claim the status. And that is the case in, in other countries. Um, what made Britain unique was that even when you are a permanent resident, there's no ambiguity. You could continue to avoid tax on your overseas earnings. And so I think it's it's good politics for Ed Miliband. Um, I think the, the fact that there are these loopholes that uh, typically wealthy individuals can exploit is one of the biggest grievances voters have. And it could also potentially raise quite a lot of money. I mean, some economists are saying potentially up to a billion or even more. Uh, and Labour pledged to use that for deficit reduction, which helps to give them a clearer answer when people say, well, you have pledged to eliminate the current deficit. How are you going to do that? Yeah, I suppose if somebody is willing to pay £60,000 to not have to pay tax, you're going to suggest that those people are going to be back in line for a really quite a large tax bill. I also think, as you mentioned last night in your blog, He's very much helped here, Ed Miliband, by the fact he's got kind of cover from the fact that The Economist has not been very in favour of non-DOM status. The FT has been, has came out in an editorial against it, saying it was, was it kind of like it was a relic of George III's kind of colonialist tax policy that we could probably do with that? Was it brought in by Pitt the Younger? That's right, in 1799. We don't have enough discussions about Pitt the Younger's tax policy, I find. Um, Stephen, do you think this is a, a, do you think this is something that we'll have cut through? Um, I'm not sure. So on the one hand, it's obviously, you know, it's, you know, it's social contract 101. If you live in a country, you should pay taxes there. But I was, uh, so when I, I wake up to do the kind of early morning stagger shift, from six to seven, I kind of listen to music radio to kind of ease myself into it. And I listen to the two second explanation of what a non-dom is. And it sounds fair because you go, oh, so it's people who live abroad who, uh, and if, and you know, you have to pay about 60 grand. Well, that's a lot more money than I can imagine earning. That seems perfectly fair. Of course, the reality is that most non-DOMs are, in fact, people who live here full-time. Um, so, the interesting thing is, I, I'm not sure how much it will cut through, but I think the fact that the Conservatives completely failed to style it out means it probably will. Mm. What they should have done is gone, oh, well, we've dealt with that. It's just, just people who don't live here. And, yeah, it wouldn't be true, but, you know, as they've shown with the universal credit, you can get away with an awful lot just by going, oh, there's nothing to see here. I think we're all missing the big issue, which is that Duncan Bannatyne is very excited about this measure. That was my, it was a big revelation. So this is um, uh, formerly of Dragon's Den. Actually, maybe still of Dragon's Den. I've just given up watching Dragon's Den because there's only really so many weird things you can attach to a Hoover. Um, but he uh, signed the 100 Business Leaders letter, uh, and but is now big in favour of this. But... Um, there have been two more letters as well this morning. I feel like that this is mostly how we do politics now. I think we sort of started it with the whole Russell Brown, Robert Webb writing letters to each <laughs> other business. Um, so we've had a letter from a uh, hundred states, oh, is it a hundred uh, state school heads talking about Labour's academy program and also, um, 140 NHS doctors, um, talking about the threats of that plan. So basically, I think that's what we've got to look forward to for the uh, next month, which is a lot of people writing letters to each other. We will, of course, keep you entirely updated about what those letters contain and what we think of it. But for the moment, I'm going to say thank you to Stephen and George. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast, presented by me, Helen Lewis, and produced by Anna Leskovitz. You can find us every week at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast or on iTunes. Our theme music is Devil with the Devil by the Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, Freddie here. I want to tell you about a new way you can support the New Statesman's independent journalism. Every morning I send out Morning Call, our daily newsletter covering everything you need to know about British politics. It's free to sign up, plus for just £3 a month, you'll get a recommended daily piece of ours sent to you in full, plus exclusive polling analysis from Ben Walker, a weekly update from Will Dunn, and our featured piece on Sundays. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll love Morning Call. Head to morningcall.substack.com and subscribe now.